You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And good morning to everyone. I am Lisa Wysocki. I'm in Mound, Minnesota. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 5th, episode 3153. This episode is brought to you by Stateline Tack. Good morning, Horse World. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Well, and actually, Jamie's not here at all. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> she's on her way to Rome to apparently eat a lot of pizza and pasta. Uh, you know, she picked a heck of a week to go to Rome because it's Easter. It is. It's going to be super crowded, I would think. <laughs> yeah, she didn't realize that. She didn't put two and two together when they booked it. And I was like, you better stay away from anywhere downtown near the Vatican uh, yeah. for the whole Easter weekend, because it's an oh, Easter it's gonna, week there. It so, would be nuts. Uh, it yeah. could be interesting, though. I mean, it, it, in a way, it could be thrilling, or it could just oh, yeah. be like we can't get anywhere. <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well I can't. I can't wait to hear about it when she gets back. Yeah, I know. I can't either. <laughs> so today on today's show, we're talking about horses making art. And we have Sandra Ballou with us, who combines dressage and art to create beautiful paintings while riding her horse. So that's kind of cool. Uh, we have some news stories that we want to talk about. No weird news today, because that's kind of Jamie's thing. We have our own yeah. version of weird news. Uh, and we have <laughs> some other things we want to talk about as well. Plus, we're going to introduce to you a brand new show that's coming out, hopefully, by the beginning of next week. We hope. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're going to play a clip for you of that, too. And let's just say it involves Captain Kirk. So mm. that's coming up on today's show. Uh, what, a, a couple of you have commented that, hey, all of a sudden, we're getting these things at the beginning of the show, and we don't understand. Well, what we have started to do is what we call pre-rolls. So at the beginning of every episode of all the Horse Radio Network shows, you're going to get a promotion for another show on the network. So we decided, or I decided, that... <laughs> we should have done this about five years ago, but we never had the technology. Why aren't we cross-promote? We advertise all these other companies. Why aren't we advertising our own shows that are on the network? So they're just little cross-promotions that uh, that we're going to put at the beginning of every episode for other shows on the network, and they'll rotate uh, amongst the other shows. So we hope, that, uh, we hope that that isn't too annoying. If it is, you can just hit, you know, skip 30 seconds and go on with it show. That's fine. Uh, but this is a way for you to get to know about the other shows that you may not know that we even have on the network, and maybe you'll find something new to listen to. So that's what that's all about. Don't freak out. It's okay. I should have done it five years ago, and we're finally getting around to it. So Lisa's in the Great White North. Um, yep. And uh, where, where are you at again? So I'm in Mound, Minnesota. It's about uh, 24. 20 miles west of Minneapolis. And, you know, it's still really winter here. <laughs> <laughs> so so I talked to the, the barn crew at Colby's Army last night, and they said, yeah, the low is going to be 72 tonight. And I'm like, really? I think you we're know, hitting I'm... record highs today of almost yeah. 95. Oh, Glenn. Holy cow. <laughs> I know. It's, it's not. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's April. And we're <laughs> yeah, and crazy. I'm trudging through knee-deep snow. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> left your poor barn crew at the time when you're getting the worst storms. Oh, you know, it seems like every week there's just a whole series of tornadoes that just comes through Tennessee. The whole south, the whole mid-south and, and lower south. I mean, it's just crazy dangerous weather. Last week was awful for you guys. I mean, there were 88 yeah. tornadoes in three days. Yeah. It's just yeah. crazy. And the lightning must – well, I did see a report, and it's kind of a downer, but this is the results of these storms. We don't always hear about the horse people that are affected by no. 88 tornadoes or lightning. There was this poor kid who, who does kind rodeo stuff he's i think they it was he was eight or ten and his horses were standing under a, a run-in shed and the run-in shed got hit by lightning and killed both of his horses oh gee so those are oh, the things awful. That, but they're the things we don't hear about you know no. because you know the, that doesn't get covered in the news but i'm no. sure there were thousands of horses affected by those horrible tornadoes oh absolutely yeah. and then you have the the whole debate 
leave them in or turn them out, you and know? In that case, I don't know. You know, probably, who knows, right? I mean, you don't you know just, where lightning is You just don't hit. know. The lightning hit the barn and burn it down. I mean, you know. Well, exactly, and then yeah. the horses are trapped. So it's, it, and it's the same with people. It's, it's, it's kind of, you just don't really have a great place to go unless you have a true tornado shelter. When you we know? were kids, we were in an upstairs bedroom. Uh, I think I maybe told this story, story a long time ago. It was We were little, maybe 8, 10 years old, and it was a really bad storm in Pennsylvania. We lived in a town, and it was really bad. So, and for some reason, my mom had us up in the upstairs bedroom, and right beside the upstairs bedroom was the chimney, you know, brick chimney. Right. And lightning hit that chimney and blew it to pieces. There were pieces oh, of black glad. away. And we were in the room right beside it. And let me tell you, that that I never heard a sound like that before because it was t- ten, five feet from us. But did you guys get hurt? No. It, 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 the chimney took the brunt of it. And fortunately, wow. no, no bricks or anything came through the window there. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so I've been real close to a lightning strike. Jennifer's brother, who was the Green Beret, actually has been hit by lightning three times. Really? Yes, and survived. And he's still walking yeah, and talking yeah, and yeah, all of that? Yeah, he's pretty smart, actually. So maybe it helped. <laughs> maybe it helped. You know, the other, <laughs> the other thing, too, is the straight line winds. You know, we've been getting a lot of that. And so two weeks ago, or maybe it's three weeks ago now, we had 79 mile an hour straight line winds. And according to our agricultural extension agent, we were the only people in the entire county that kept their greenhouse. Everybody else lost their greenhouse. And everybody else had torrential wind damage, just those straight line winds and, you know, roof damage and building damage. And, you know, we're, we're kind of tucked away a little bit in a hollow. And so maybe that protected us. But the, the weather all the way around has just been super crazy. Well, you know, it and it's so pocketed. I mean, I just saw that yeah. uh, parts of Texas are having still having a drought where other places are, you know, it's just so pocketed this year. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's it cool. is. Well, anyway, we weather gets boring when you talk about it, right? <laughs> uh, although we all deal with it, especially as horse people, and it you know, it's not fun. It's just right. not fun. Right. All right, we have some daily winnies to do, so let's get to those. I have a couple daily winnies today. One is the birthdays for the auditors right now. Joanne Baum, Catherine Banner, Allison Laura, Logan Marie, and also Jordan's gray horse, Addis, turned two years old. And that is the, she posted his picture in the auditor room, and he is so spotted. He looks like a Dalmatian horse. He is so spotted. It's just crazy (laughs) how spotted he is. He's really cool. So, yeah. So, um, happy birthday to all of them. Uh, Also, Kayla Perry. I posted in the auditor room for guesses as to what we ran into on the trail over the weekend. And I said the first one to guess the correct thing would get a uh, HRN hat. So she guessed Panther. And she was the first one to guess Panther. So uh, she gets an HRN hat. Just PM me your address and we'll get that sent out. And I owe somebody else a hat too. It's just we have to go to the post office to mail them. And that's at the other end of town. So we haven't gotten okay, Back up, back up, back up. You, you have to listen to Monday's show. Yeah, you have to listen you... to Monday's show. Scooter had a face-to-face about 10 feet away from a panther. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, I do have to listen <laughs> yeah. to that. So everybody <laughs> didn't hear that story, listen to the beginning of Monday's show. Yes. Also, big thank you to Thomas from Michigan. Thomas is an incredible listener. He has sent uh, me boxes in the past of gifts from Michigan, and it's always local stuff to Michigan, and he usually sends it around my birthday. So, um, so, so what he does is he sends me uh, these boxes, and we got one yesterday. And he said happy birthday, and he even knows it's my sixty first birthday, and my birthday is April twenty fourth. And in those boxes, he had baked a cake. And the cake survived, I'll have you know. (laughs) So, Tom, the cake actually did survive the trip, and I ate a large chunk of it last night. And he said, you may not like this cake because it's not sweet. It's from the Great Depression era. This is what my mom made for our birthdays. Oh, wow. Uh, Thank you. you And he he, uh, he goes on and talks about some other stuff. But it was like a poppy seed cake. And I thought it was a little sweet. 
but I liked it. I'm not sure Jennifer liked it as much because she does like sweet cake, but um, I liked it. I, it was different. I don't know what was in it. I would love to know, Thomas, what was in it. But he also sent wine. So he sent us two Ooh. bottles of wine, and he sent us some sugar that's made locally there where he lives up there in Michigan. So um, the wine, there's a story about this, too. It's Traverse Bay Winery. By the way, how many wineries are there in the world? There must be a million. Oh, absolutely. Wineries in the world. So, yeah, easily. So uh, Traverse, and this is Traverse Bay Winery, and it's from Traverse City, Michigan. Well, what what Thomas doesn't know is that years ago, probably 20 years ago, when Jennifer and I were between gigs working for other people, we applied for jobs to be caretakers of a boutique hotel in Traverse City, Michigan. And we actually had the interviews over the phone and everything. And uh, they also had, I think they had a horse part to it and the whole thing. And so, and we were seriously considering moving to that part, which is in northern Michigan, by the way, until we looked at the weather. You know, that was pre-internet days, so we kind of, you know, tried to figure out what the weather was up there. And th- then we looked at that and said, no, I really don't want to be shoveling snow at a hotel for every day for six months. So we never went to Traverse City, Michigan. But it's so funny that he sends us this wine. And he also knows us so well. This is how much we blab about our lives in this show. He knows that I don't like I don't like dry wine. I like sweet wine. So he sent uh, Traverse Bay Winery cherry wine, which is sweet. And Ooh. then he also sent Dizzy Daisy Winery and Vis- Vineyard. Yes, and there's a picture of a cow on it. And this is out of uh, Battle or Bad Axe, Michigan, which is a great name. It's Dizzy Daisy Winery, and this is an elderberry fruit wine, which I can't wait to try. That sounds really oh, good. Oh, that sounds great. This elderberry fruit wine is 10% alcohol. <laughs> so that must be pretty potent stuff for a wine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for all the gifts. We really love that. And uh, he links about us every year. And I met him when we were on the road show in Michigan. So uh, we really appreciate you, Thomas. Thank you so much. And now it is your turn. Well, my daily winnie also involves a birthday, and it goes to my mother, who last Thursday turned 100 years old. And she still lives in her house. She was a Marine in World War II. She was on our school board and on our park commission and in our uh, mental health co-op. She was on the board of that. I mean, just a real go-getter in the community her entire life. And she's been such a role model uh, to me and such an inspiration that, you know, I mean, 100 years old, not everybody gets there. And I also want to give a shout out and some daily whinnies to the auditors who sent her some birthday cards. So I just posted um, on my own Facebook page, you know, if, if people would send her some cards, if they knew me or if they knew her. And wow, she got like over, I don't know, 50, 60 cards, wow. maybe more than that. I know, I know. And they've been coming in for weeks. They're still coming in. And she has had such a good time reading the cards. And um, oh, that's it's, fantastic. It's just been Yes, yes. So a lot of the cards were sent in by auditors who have become Facebook friends of mine, and and I just so appreciate that. It it meant a lot to her, means a lot to me. So um, she's a freaking hundred years old. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she still lives in her house, and, and she has a, a home health aide who comes in, you know, every every morning to, to help. But other than that, she's, you know, she's doing it. So, um, she's just amazing. Well, congratulations to her for making it that long <laughs> and yes. still being with it and everything. That's so cool. I know. I know. Super sharp. She's the smartest person I've ever met in my entire life and the most well-read, and, you know, she still maintains that. So, she she's always up for a good conversation. Well, that's a good, good indicator for you, Gene-wise, too, isn't it? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so too. I hope for I yeah. hope for you as well. Yeah. So we have we, we talked about this maybe once or twice before, but we're it's coming to reality now. So we Finally. we need to, we need to yeah. It's taken us a while <laughs> to get this one together. It's a lot of work, um, but you're doing a new show. So tell us about it. So, yeah, so uh, the new show is called Celebs with Horses, and I am interviewing some pretty interesting celebrities about their horses. And we're not talking about their career. We're not talking about their latest movie or album or anything. We're just talking about their life with horses. And it's been so amazing to find that these celebrities are really are, they're true horse people, the people that we're interviewing. They're not just, oh, a celebrity who, you know, happened to ride a horse in a movie or, you know, took a trail ride or had a 
pony as a kid. These are these are true horse people, and it's it's just been really amazing. Well, uh, we are going to play a clip. So this show is going to hopefully come out beginning of next week. That's the goal. So the first Woo-hoo. episode will be out. We'll <laughs> announce it and we'll we'll get it out there. But the, tell us everybody, tell everybody about the clip they're going to hear about because it's a very special first episode. It is a very special first episode, and so uh, Glenn produced this, and and uh, I don't. I was so excited because we talked to Captain Kirk, William Shatner, and the thing is, he doesn't do podcasts. No. I he, mean, he, I saw a Twitter Twitter post from him years ago, and we never approached him after that because I saw this Twitter post, and it, he said in this Twitter post, "I hate podcasts, and I will never do a podcast interview." That's what he said in his Twitter post. Yeah. Yeah. And then then we approached his people and because it was about horses, he decided to do it. And we were told we had 45 minutes with him, which I thought was a very generous amount of time um, to interview him. We did it by by uh, Zoom, Zoom, I think. Yeah, Yeah. by Zoom. And um, so, you know, we're coming up on 40 minutes and I had a couple of questions. And, And by the way, a lot of the questions were sent in by auditors, which was so so wonderful to have everybody's questions. But, um, you know, I'm like, okay, well, we have, before you have to go in five minutes, I have another question for you. And he's like, what do you mean? I don't have to go. <laughs> I think we were with him for like an hour and a half. We were. Yeah. We were. And he was just having a good time. We were having a good time. And he just, he, you know, I, I think in his voice, his love and knowledge of horses really comes through. And, and I'm just, I'm excited for everybody to listen to it. Well, let's play a little clip of it now and give them a preview. There's nothing like coming down on a gated horse and you're going as fast as that horse can rack without breaking into a canter. And you're right on the edge. And and it's an easy gate to hold because that's why the rack was made, because there's no posting. There's, you sit in that saddle. You, you, you center yourself in the saddle. And there's nothing more exciting than a five-gated horse going full speed, uh, going around a turn and having people coming after you or you're going to take somebody. So that's, that's, that's a thrill, except that when they say show your horses and you're in a saddle and you're in a standard bred bike and you got your legs up and the dirt is flying and there's 10 people around you and you got to get around them and you're going at at 40 miles an hour in a, in a like in Freedom Hall in, Le- in Louisville that's a small arena and you're going around as fast as you can and you don't want to break gate and you go around. I mean what could be better than that except when you go full speed from one end of the arena to the other and slide 30 feet to a stop what could be more exciting than that So next week, we will announce when it's out. You'll be able to go to podcast players and find celebs with horses. And uh, we're, we're shooting for one or two a month. Isn't that correct? We are. We yeah. are. And um, we'll be posting in the auditor room, too, uh, who we're interviewing next. And, uh, you know, if you all have questions for him, you can just, you know, post in a comment and we'll get to as many of them as we can. Do we have that confirmed yet? Uh, the next one? Yeah. You don't have to say who, but... Uh... Um, I'm hoping to confirm it today. So okay, somebody just okay. won somebody who just won a major award and so she's been a little hard to get a hold of. Uh, so All right. Yeah. Well, that's a tease right there. That'll yeah. be episode 2. So we're looking forward to it celebs with horses. And it we're you know, it's a little bit different too. We're doing a little bit different style. We're trying something new uh with this show that we haven't done on other shows before. Uh so you know, and I think Lisa was the perfect one to tackle this style. So I'm very excited about it. We've actually we been talking see. about this for years. <laughs> so, we have. Yeah. We have, yes. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. First guest today to start our horseback art episode is Sandra. And you might know her because she has a website called artonhorseback.com. And her horses do art in many different ways. And I, I met you, Sandra, over at the Horse Expo at the World Equestrian Center. And somebody yeah. came over to me and said, you've got to go talk to Sandra. So I did. <laughs> and I absolutely loved you. And I loved your art. And I love the story. And that's why you're on today. So tell us how you do art while riding on horseback. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. And I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I when I, I when I was a kid, I used to ride, you know, like I, I trained in dressage and I always drew horses. So I basically like trained as an artist and a rider for about 20 years for each of them is what is kind of parallel. 
in, in, in my, uh, my upbringing. And when I had this idea one day and I was like, I wonder if I could just blend the two together. And it just kind of popped in my head and I was like, huh, that'd be interesting. And, you know, I looked it up. I couldn't find anyone else who had ever tried it. And, um, it took a couple years for me to kind of actually try it and do it and figure it out. Um, I, I've been doing it for over 10 years now. And the horse that I ride is, is a really cool little horse who's really comfortable to ride. He's really handy. I can ride him one handed and bitless and bareback. I'm like, you know, he's just a really good boy. So it worked out really well. And I, I use all of his dressage training and we do working equitation as well. And it all just sort of. Okay. But what exactly do you do? Kind of describe what you do. Right. So I have a really big easel. It's like over nine feet tall. It's a hand made. Like it, we went through a few different ones. So there, there, it, it was hard to, that was the hardest part to figure out how to have a freestanding easel that can support a very large canvas. So it's a four by five foot canvas. And I ride by the canvas, walk, trot, canter. I also do halt rein back and I'm riding one handed. So I have the reins in my left hand, my brush in the right hand. And I'm able to weave around the canvas and like figure eights. I do a little turn on the haunches. My horse can do pee off where he trots in place. Um, so I try to do all of the big brush strokes to paint an actual horse on the canvas in motion, mostly at the canter. Canter is like the best rhythm to work with or like a little pee off. And then I will do finishing touches you know, just kind of relax standing by the canvas. I have to move back away and see for perspective of ratios and stuff. So, um, but most of it is all, you know, just one-handed riding. So, you know, you have to have a horse that's very in tune to your body. And I've, I've known him his whole life. He's 21 now. So we've spent a lot of time together. So he knows me, I know him and he's just like, he, he understands what we're doing. It's pretty fun. (laughs) So you're doing a stroke every time you ride by the canvas. Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah. I do like an outline of a horse. Usually it's kind of like a horse running like the front half of the body. I don't do a ton with like a lot of detail and legs. It's very minimal, but it, you know, it looks like a horse and it's got a mane and no, and they I look like horses. Stuff. I couldn't do that not yeah. standing still with the paintbrush. So, I'm <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so you're taking basically, so you're taking one swipe on your way by. And so, uh, so how long does it take to put a painting together? Well, I mean, if I get good, the, the right brush strokes on there, I, I don't necessarily need too much to create an outline. I try to keep my sessions pretty short because Roby's older. And so I probably, you know, I ride for like 30 minutes and, um, and then like I'll do another session where I'll add more color or I'll add more details. And then maybe a third session will be like just kind of up close to the canvas. And then at the end, my horse will sign it himself because he also knows how to paint. So I give him the brush and he signs his own little thing in the corner. It's really cute. (laughs) (laughs) How do you teach? Okay, so I have a a hackney pony who's quite a personality and very popular on the show. His name's Scooter. Um, And Uh he's, he's something else. But. I think he would love, he loves to do adventurous, fun, new things. But so how do you teach him to hold the paintbrush and actually do the painting? Yeah, well, it's actually like a blend of three pretty basic tricks that you have. You have to teach a horse to pick up an object, to teach them how to touch an object on command. So it's kind of like touch training. You kind of can see it like people will do it with dolphins and other animals. And, you you know, you present them with like a little stick and they touch the ball kind of thing. So you start with that and that progresses to a canvas. And then you also have um, like you can incorporate yes or smile, like anything where the horse kind of knows to kind of lift and follow with their head because that helps teach them how to maybe get a brush stroke. Like you're kind of what you're you're doing is teaching the elements and then you have to just have a lot of patience to blend them together. So I will teach the horse them all separately. And then I will present, I'll have them hold the brush and I'll present the canvas, like a little canvas. Like you don't, they're not going to just go out and paint on a big canvas on an easel. You have to progress to that, you know, and that might take like, a, you know, a long time. It depends on the horse. So if I have a little canvas and I'm just trying to create the situation where they touch the, br- they're holding the brush and touch the canvas and then, yay, that's great. Like 
they're not actually painting, but they're learning how to connect the two together. So you have to like baby, baby steps. But once the horse figures it out, like they figure it out. It's pretty cool. My horse now, like he will seek the brush. He'll grab the brush. He'll go paint. And then he's ready for his next brush. And he kind of pushes me. He's like, Hey, give me another brush. Come on. You're not fast enough. You know, it's really, it's pretty funny. So, um, but I do a lot of Liberty training, like groundwork training. So, you know, you also need to have sort of like basic control of your horse and that they, you know, don't crowd your space that you can kind of have them like line up to the canvas. Like I use a really big canvas now. So Rovi will paint a four by five foot canvas, which he loves the big ones because his brush strokes keep getting bigger and rounder, more <laughs> expressive, which is really, is really cool. Cause so they you all put the colors on the brush. You have different brushes with different colors. Is yeah. that how you're doing it? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I pick the, I try to pick a color scheme that we're going to work with and, you know, he chooses where he's going to put it, but I definitely like try to have an idea of what's going to look good together. Um, I would like to train him how to pick up my other horse. I had a Frisian that I had trained before and he was very into the painting and he passed away before I was able to do like, you know, he was getting to the point where he could pick brushes out of like jars. So then I was like, well, maybe he can kind of decide or pick or it's a little bit more up to him instead of just me handing something to him but that gets it's a little messy and it's a little hard to you know uh organize and and make sure the horse is like not grabbing the wrong thing <laughs> so um, but it's it's really fun it's really fun <laughs> so i have a a quick question two questions actually one mm-hmm. did you, have you ever had a horse try to eat the brush that was what i was afraid of with my <laughs> pony yeah, i was thinking of scooter <laughs> Yeah. Well, you, well, when you're teaching, picking up the object that if you have a horse that doesn't want to let it go, you have to like take that out of their mouth and then reward them, you know, so they do figure out how to let it go to get like a treat or reward. So that's actually, I don't think as hard as a horse that doesn't hold on to the brush long enough. So Uh, my, my Frisian, I would dip my, I, you have to create a brush. I added rope to the brush so that would like give them something to hold on to. Like some horses don't mind holding on to wood or plastic, but in my experience and from other people that do painting with horses, I've found that they, they, they want something kind of like squishy, you know, for their Oh, So you wrap Um, the brush with rope. Yeah. Uh, It's like, it's like a piece of rope and then it's duct taped on. So it's kind of just in addition to the, the, the handle part of the brush. So the horse is not just like, because you don't also want them to bite plastic and have that right. break in their mouth. So that was my so other kind question. Of protects, yeah, protect yeah, the brush. And I, I've never had a problem with a horse. You know, you're right there and you ask them to pick it up and then they put it down and they get a treat. So they, they understand that, like, they're supposed to let it go. So I, I have never had a problem with that part of it. Um, so, and then as far as, yeah. the, as far as the brush part of it itself, um, what what do you use? I mean, what is there a specific bristle or a width, or do you have a variety that you use? Yeah, I just use basic, like you know, ones you can get at the hardware store. And I um, I found like I have a certain. It's probably like a couple inches wide to like maybe three or four inches. I, I tried different brushes, and each horse is different. My big Frisian liked the big brushes, and I would get them with a lot of water on it. And he would like flip the brush and splatter everywhere. He was like very messy, very funny. He would get paint all over me, but he liked to do that kind of stuff. And then my other horse, he does not flip his head around. He's very deliberate. He does round and he actually swoops and he does all these like really interesting marks. So we do a very different style with him. Um, So the paintings look completely different, which is so cool because I just thought he would paint the same as my other horse. So I set it up the same. I prepped the canvases the same. And I was like, you know, it just looks kind of funny. And then I started playing around with different backgrounds, different kind of like how to prep. And he's this very simple, basic, and it's all about the expression, expressive movement of the brushstroke. Whereas my other horse, it was like layers, texture, color, splatters. It was very messy, abstract. Like it was kind of, it's just cool. I think it's really neat to, to let their personalities come through. <laughs> I just love this. I just think it's amazing. Yeah, this is so yeah, much it, fun. It is really, it is really fun. And I, yeah. you sell your art too, right? People can buy it? Yeah. Yeah, I have my horse's art and I have my art on horseback painting on my website. And then um, 
I also perform at events like I will be at Briarfest this summer. My horse will be painting and I will also do an art on horseback demo. We did one last summer. We've been to like Aquatana. Uh, they love like you. At, those kids will love you at Briarfest. That'll just be right up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, and my horse, too, like at the end after he did his painting session, all the kids came up with little things like their little models or their programs and he would sign everything for them. Oh, like he figured cool. out how to like, yeah. So they all had like really cool um, mementos to take home and That's he did it for like an hour. I was so surprised. Like I didn't think he would stand there that long. He was, he was into it. He knew what we were doing. <laughs> That's so cool. You know, they amaze us sometimes yeah. they do get it, you know, they, they, well, some of them, yeah. do. I'm not sure all of them do, <laughs> but most right, of them right, get it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think they're probably like people. Yeah. You know, some some of us are artistic and some of us are not. You know, probably horses are the same way. Right, right. Yeah. And if you you have a horse, my horse loves to perform. He loves to get dressed up. And he literally is bored when he doesn't have someone watching him. And he'll stop and look like, did you see that? You know, like his personality is just that way. He's wonderful. I mean, not every horse is going to be like that, of course. That's just his natural personality. So, you know, being able to give him things that make him shine because he's not naturally like a high level dressage horse. He doesn't have the stride. So I've shown him through like third level, but he, and he got decent scores, but I'm not going to, you know, he's not going to shine there. So I created like the art on horseback was like something special just for us to do together. And I've never tried it with another horse. And it's just kind of our thing that I'm trying to preserve and, and like keep, making it better and better and just try to be as creative as I can as he gets older, you know, but adapt it to him as well. So, but the painting with the horse on the ground is fun for horses that are older, retired, or, you know, you want to do something fun with your horse, but you don't want to ride all the time. Um, or he's on stall rest, you know, give their mind something to do. Like my Frisian, he was going lame. Like he had ring bone and I couldn't perform and ride him anymore. I can only walk trail, but he's so smart. So he picked up right away and that's what we did together. And he just loved it. So I think it's just a fun activity, like any other kind of trick training or Liberty training. Well, this is so much fun. I am going to try it with Scooter. I'm going to work with Scooter. Now, I think because of the whole patience and time thing, he'll be fine, and I'll, I will get, I will uh, lose interest, and my ADD <laughs> will kick in. I think that's what's going to happen, so I might have to get my wife's help on this. But I want to have, yeah. my goal is to have Scooter have one painting done by Christmas so I can give it away to a listener. That's oh, my goal. Yes. Now, you don't live far from me, well, right? You're, so I might have to come over for help. So, like, yeah, I'm up in Havana, uh, which is near Tallahassee, so North yeah, Florida. I can come visit you. We'll pack yeah. up my pony and we'll come up and we'll we'll have we'll have a po- pony painting day. So, or I could come down to you. I could come to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Well, Sandra, yeah, I love yeah, this. Yeah. We have to have video on this. Yes, we do. Because <laughs> yeah. he's, he's quite a character. Well, it's funny. I'm actually I'm working on an online course for teaching a horse how to paint. Like it's not ready at the moment or anything, but I do have like a, you know, a waiting list for it. So many people keep asking me. You should do it. No question. Yeah. And I have a lot of, a lot of video. I've videoed every time I painted with my horse and teaching them from the very beginning. So, um, so yeah, I'll definitely keep you in mind and I'll let you know when it's ready. But if you want me to help you, I'm happy to happy to do that. Cause a lot of it is every horse is different. You kind of have to, play with the unique environment and how you set it up but it it really does kind of boil down to those basic tricks so you, you know what you i'm picturing your horse those things sandra i'm yeah. picturing a lot of dirty brushes on the ground is what i'm picturing <laughs> That's <weird>. yeah <laughs> okay so what you do with that is if you are painting is i put a big drop cloth down because the problem is the horse will drop the brush in the dirt yes. and then they don't want to pick it up again right you know my horse he likes it very clean I can't just give him the same brush over and over again. It's, you know, it's a lot of work. I got to get change the brushes in between each time, make sure they're not, you know, all slimy and whatever. So, um, so you just put a drop cloth down so when the horse drops it, it stays clean. And that's kind of what I learned how to do that way. So you just have to set it up that, you know, it's not getting dirt on it. All, all right. Time. This is going to be my goal. I have a new goal <laughs> yep. now. I'm so excited. Sandra, it's artonhorseback.com if you want to check out her videos, her work, and the other things that she does over there. She actually does some serious riding, too, but uh, 
that's boring and we don't want to talk about that. This <laughs> is more another fun. Time. Yeah, that's, that's right. another interview. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, this episode, of course, is brought to you by StatelineTAC.com. You know, StatelineTAC, we, we, uh, we are seeing flies now in Florida, and I know all over the South, probably in Tennessee, you're starting to get yes. the flies hatching. And we, when yes. we went away to the to Gothi Forest last, the flies, there was these little flies that just bit. And the one day we went to get them out of their paddock, they had little paddocks there. I've never seen so many flies on Scooter. <laughs> oh. They were just... There were tons of them, and oh. I, I've never seen those particular flies before, so that must be something to that area. Um, we don't have them on this side of town. That must be They must be a west side town thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, Gothi Forest thing. But do you use fly sheets on your horses? You know, we, we do on some of them. So we have two horses who just don't like sheets at all, but we have a white horse, Glenn, and this white horse is like the fly magnet, and he will be covered in them. I mean, all over his neck and down his spine. And I mean, just masses of flies. It, I don't, it, obviously his body chemistry is attractive to flies. And I mean, without a fly sheet, I mean, the poor thing, I mean, you just can't, I just, we just couldn't do it. Well, they do have a bunch of them uh, highlighted right now on their homepage. If you go there, they have a whole bunch of different fly sheets. First of all, I didn't know there were that many fly sheets in the world. Uh, Amigo, yes. Rambo, Tough One, uh, Tough Rider, uh, Kensington has fly sheets, the Cool Coat. We always got the cool coats. Uh, I know there are ones we use in the past, and I think we still have some cool coats. Uh, they're just our paid three pages of fly sheets highlighted right now at terrific prices. Head on over to statelinetack.com for all your fly needs. They also have fly sprays and fly masks and all of that. And if your horses are like our, well, Scooter won't leave a fly mask on. It just, yeah. he, he's a Houdini, just, and we just yeah. don't bother anymore. Now, <laughs> Nigel has to wear him because he gets gooped up eyes. So right. he has to wear his fly mask, but she, you know, she goes through a couple the season because they just scooter rips him off his face and it's basically all scooter's fault to be honest yes it is yeah you, you know what i like glad though is there's so many options for colors and patterns and stuff now do you remember it you used know? to be just white yes oh absolutely yeah yeah, yeah that was it white. that was your choice yeah and, and you really didn't have a choice in style either it was like here it is yep. you know and you had right. size but this was it okay we're gonna sound really old now when Lisa and I were starting out in horses, and I only got into this 35 years ago, it was canvas blankets, and that's all the blankets yes. you could get. They were those yellow canvas blankets yes. that weighed a million pounds when they got wet. Yes. Yes. I had forgotten about that, Glenn. That's all they had, yeah. remember? That's a bad memory. <laughs> But yes, you're exactly right. I, I, and people, younger people now are going to be listening to this going, what are they talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, all my was. goodness. So so I I hated that so bad. So I got my, my first horse when I was 11, 12-ish. And so I, my mom cut up my baby blankets and made a blanket fly sheet type thing out of my old baby blankets because the canvas was so rough and stiff it was causing sores on my horse oh yeah they were stiff they never yeah. softened up <laughs> was never so, never awful i remember those for the, and that's when i first met jennifer she was still had a couple of those canvas blankets around it i'm like oh, oh. my god who invented these <laughs> some old cowboy had some leftover material and it became a thing exactly. is what happened <laughs> <laughs> you can, I don't think you can buy canvas blankets anymore at statelinetech.com, but you can buy every other kind. So head on over there in a multitude of colors. You know, flies are coming to your area soon, too. So get your fly sheets now. Well, we have some uh, news stories we wanted to talk about today, and these are brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. So one, this isn't a fun story, but we've been covering it before, and I know you were on an episode that we talked about this mm -hmm. recently, but the Horse.com, who's a sister company of ours here at Equine Network, um, had an article today that I thought was interesting, and it's about the vet shortage. And, you know, we talked about the vet shortage a number of times because it is serious problems. You you know, a lot of our listeners, a lot of you listening right now, live in rural areas where it's hard. I know we've heard from some of you where it's a four-hour drive to get to the vet, and they're not coming to you. So uh, this article, though, had some statistics that I haven't seen before. So this is on thehorse.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you want to read the rest of it. Um, so only five out of 100 students graduating for veterinary school in 2023 will choose to become horse doctors. Five out of 100. That's really eye-opening. 
what's more eye-opening is by 2028, in five years, only two or three of the five will be left. They'll have, the others will have quit. Wow. So of the graduating vets this year, in five years, they expect out of 100 students that two will be left. Wow. That's 2%. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's part of it too is, and well, this is what they said, 75% of equine veterinary practice owners that responded to a recent survey said they're having difficulty hiring and retaining new associates. Big surprise, there's nobody coming out of school, right? Right. About 45% of the AAEP, that's the vet association members, are over the age of 50. So almost 50% of the members at AAEP are over the age of 50. So that means they're going to be retiring out, right? And a quarter, 25% are over the age of 60. So that means in the next few years, 25% of the practicing equine vets are going to go away, are going to retire. So that means that 23,000 new veterinary positions must be created and filled in all areas of practice over the next five years. And they're just not seeing those numbers. So, And what's happening is graduates are focusing on small animal. One, they're coming out making almost six-figure salaries with small animal because, as we know, vets charge a fortune for small animals now. True. Uh, you know, it's yes. just, and they have to. I mean, it's just the way yeah. it is, right? Um, everybody is. So in comparison, equine graduates usually end up in an internship followed by a residency, and they are making much less money. So you're making less money, you're on call all the time, you're driving around the countryside, whereas the small animal vets, you know, it's pretty much standard hours. Uh, You're not necessarily on call all the time, maybe sometimes, but you're going to an office, you're not driving around in the snow uh, trying to find farms, right? Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of issues with it. Uh, They actually, the AAP, which is the American Association of Equine Practitioners, has formed a commission, and there's a 13-member subcommittee, and their mission is to explore what can be done. How can they make it easier on vets for work-life balance, for fulfillment and recruitment and retention and all of those things? What can they do to get more people interested in it? But then to keep a minute, we know that suicide has been a problem too with equine yeah. vets, uh, which is just horrible. And it's tragic. How you live very rural? Are have you had trouble? So we we're an hour. We have uh, Tennessee Equine Hospital, and they have a, a satellite office about an hour from us, and their main office is about an hour and a half from us. And so we're doing a lot of telehealth. Uh, appointments. So, you know, we'll call the vet. He said, send me a video or or we'll do a video chat, um, you know, and, and do it that way. And then they either mail us meds or, or we go pick them up or something. So, so that is, is new over the last couple of years. But you know what, what, the other thing that strikes me out of the, the two out of a hundred who are left practicing, you know, two to five years later, those two people must really love horses. And I yeah. bet they're really good vets. I mean, yeah. they have to love horses, don't you think? Oh, yeah. To to put up with the crap? Yes. Yeah. I mean, figuratively and literally. <laughs> so, yeah. So they're probably yeah. really good vets, you would hope. You know, but you would hope that they would be. This is just scary. It's very and, scary. You know, I talked to my wife, Jennifer, about it, who's kind of old school. You know, she grew up old school where where her belief is she every time the vet came out, she would quiz him to death. She wanted to learn as much as she could so she could do as much as she could herself. That's right. the way she grew up. She grew up through Pony Club and all of that. But she's always been very curious about the health stuff. And mm-hmm. I talked to her about it the other day, and she said this is why it's so important that horse owners more than ever are going to have to learn to be their own vets. Yeah, you're, you're, she's absolutely right. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're just going to have to study. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to do as much as you can yourself. And and you're going to have to do the televet, but that also requires you knowing a little bit, right? And Well, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You know, the other thing too is, is and this comes from our vet um, at Tennessee Equine Hospital, and he's been very good about um, – uh, researching, you know, oddball things for us and, and, you know, emailing me links and things. But, you know, there's so much information out on the internet. You know, he suggested go to two or three really trusted sites, you know, like, like Rutgers University or Texas A&M or something like that. And, and don't buy into all of the hype that's out there because there's so much conflicting information. Go to two or three. Yeah, your friends really on respected. Facebook are probably not the best place. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Or Reddit. 
No, don't go to Reddit. Uh, no, 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 or just Google. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's hard because... too because you really don't know what to believe. I think if it's you're right. If it's unaccredited, a veterinary school site or something like that, you're probably better off. Um, yeah. And you know, and your your local vet, if they can't come out, maybe can talk you through it. Maybe it's you know, Jennifer's been more in the okay. I know it's this, this, and this is what I have to deal with now. I know it. I know because I've been doing it thirty years that it's not life threatening. So I'm going. I can. I know I can give it a day or two or three to play out. And a lot of times, whatever's happening, or horse had a fever recently, and that kind of thing. Yes, you're gambling a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have no choice, you know, but to haul your horse four hours, you're yeah. probably going to wait a day or two. Uh, as but you're going to talk to the vet, and then the vet will tell you whether it's an emergency, yeah. right? But so. then you have, you know, there's blood, and there's this twelve yep. inch gash, and no, there's that's different. <laughs> gunk, you know, <laughs> you you have that situation, and you're four hours away. You know, what do you, what do you do? You know, it's it's, well, and, and it, in that situation, now you got to put your horse on a trailer, which is not a fun ride in, in, when they're not injured, right? No. It's not an easy ride for them back there. Um, no. Yeah, I don't know. I, there, This article did go on. They did make some suggestions. It's a long article, so I can't go through all of it, but it's on thehorse.com. I'll put, a, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it did go on to talk about seven different things that they that this person saw as a uh, potential for getting out of it, but none of it is short term. It's all we need, you know, we need to get more people interested. Mm-hmm. We may need to make their lives better, but that's all a 10 year process. That's oh, not, absolutely. It's not a two year process. It's not a one year yeah. process, <laughs> right? No. You know, because, you know, how long does it take to get through school? It, so I don't know. This is a scary thing. And I know it's yeah. scary for a lot of our listeners out there. Just, yeah. A legitimate, legitimate fear, for sure. One thing you don't have to fear is Daily Dose Equine, because they know and have your horse's best interest at heart. I'm here with the mad scientist who developed Daily Dose Equine horse feeds, Janet Geyer. And I wanted to have a quick chat with you because Daily Dose Equine horse feeds are non-GMO whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small, dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they? They are. You can get it through Chewy anywhere in the United States. Or if you live locally in Maryland and Northern Virginia, you can get it delivered. There you go. Chewy.com. It will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance so you can have it delivered every X number of days, and you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues. So check it out today, dailydoseequine.com online or chewy.com. So this next story comes out of Australia, and I know that on Wednesdays, Jamie usually does the weird news thing, and I love that. It's one of my favorite segments, Um, but um, we don't have Jamie here today, so maybe we'll just do this one little thing, which we found that's um, a little... um, Unusual. So there's a man who's accused of punching a police horse at an anti-lockdown protest, and then he threatened to sue the media outlets uh, for photos of him, what looks like punching the horse. And so, well, this the, out of Australia, Sydney, right? Yes, yeah, okay. absolutely. And so, I don't know what their laws are as compared to here in the United States, but it said that um, uh, the charges were dismissed. Uh, he was he was arrested or or they said he did it and then the charges were dismissed and the media had taken these photos but if you look at the photo and maybe we can put that up in the show notes or somewhere Glenn I'll put a link I mean, to the article yeah there you go perfect I mean it looks like the man is punching the horse like like where the bit is um, but. We don't know if he connected. We don't know, you know, if the photo was taken before he made contact or after, but it sure looks like he was trying to hit the horse. And, um, you know, intent, I think, has something to, you know, to do with this. And so why was he trying to hit the horse? You know, Um, the guy was wearing a yellow shirt branded with the words free speech. Um, and um, th- his lawyer said that the pictures and the angles used by the media outlets did not tell the full story and that their client was acting in self-defense. Hmm. So <laughs> the lawyer came in in, a, in an ambulance. Um, yeah, he was, <laughs> he yeah was exactly. Chasing, he was chasing him. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the story, what the what to say about this one. Uh, you know, and how many stories have we had recently of people hitting? police horses. Right. Uh, we have had quite a few of these stories recently, uh, but, you know, I don't think he's going to win in court. I don't think that the media outlets are too worried about this one, to be honest. I wouldn't think so. No. And, you know, you just look at the horse and the horse is trying to avoid the blow, it looks like to me, you know, so. I was um, happy, and I don't know if all police horses have this, but did you notice that the, all these police horses in this picture in, in Australia were wearing eye protection? I love that. Yes. Yeah, I, they kind of look like they bugs look, yeah, the they look goggles. like big bugs, but it looks like the eye protection is solid. So if something yeah. is thrown, it doesn't hit their eyes. And I don't remember seeing that on all police horses. Mm-mm. Maybe they only no. do it during riots. I don't know. Maybe, or maybe yeah. that's standard, you know, in Australia, and they're a little better than we are at that <laughs> that sort of thing, you know? I don't know. I don't know. But I'd be interested to hear what the auditors have to say uh, about this, because it's it's really an interesting photo. And and he might be right that, that you don't have the context, but... You know, um, I don't know. Even if a horse came after me, I don't know that I would. Somebody else's horse, I don't know that I would. Well, we know horses pretty well, and we know that we're not going to take one on. (laughs) No. no. Because we're going to lose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We know that much. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but here's the other thing. So, um, the, the charges were dismissed on mental health grounds. And, um, uh, the judge noted that the, man who filed the suit, the, the man who may or may not have punched the horse, has been under intense media scrutiny and, quote, says his noggin was printed all over the press. So, I love the Australians. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd had a previous arrest um, and had been in re- prison for uh, a couple of weeks. This is a couple of years ago. So I don't know if that has any bearing on this or not. So um, anyway, it's it's an interesting story. And, um, and it's you know, weird. So- yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it counts as weird. There you go. There you go. And I'm sure everybody would be glad to have Jamie back next next week for more weird news. I found an article in Horse Nation titled, uh, Six Things We Know to Be True About Showing Horses. And I thought this was interesting, too. You know, I've never showed horses, but I certainly was with Jennifer at a lot of horse shows. And I like... All of these things, I think they're absolutely true. So I'll run through them really quick. And I I thought that was kind of funny, too. Uh, So it's the six things we know true to be about showing horses. No matter your discipline or breed of choice, there are several factors to show season that all equestrians have in common. And number one is it hurts your body. Number two is it hurts your brain. Number (laughs) Number three is it hurts your social life. Number four is it hurts your wallet. Number five is it can hurt your heart. And number six, it is so worth it. This that is, is so true. This describes showing to a T, doesn't it? It does. It does. It is so true. As a horse husband, seeing it from the horse husband's point of view, it was miserable to get up at 2 in the morning. It was miserable mm-hmm. to get packed the day before. It was miserable to drive there. It was miserable to get there and get set up. <laughs> it was miserable because she was nervous. And so for us, it's miserable. Uh, everything about the whole entire process seems to be miserable. And then they're nervous. And then it doesn't go well. And then they're upset after that and then after all of that they were like oh this was great <laughs> yeah you can't wait to do it again <laughs> i'm going what <laughs> it's very difficult for a new boyfriend to comprehend this in the beginning we all go through this and you know if you have yes. a boyfriend or a husband that was new to this this is a tough one it to, is to comprehend it is yeah. it is because it's so emotional it is so emotional all the way through, you know, and even when you're packing, it's, well, do I do this or do I do that or do I do the other thing? And so, and then you forget something, even though you have a checklist, you always forget something that causes a whole bunch of stress and yeah, but you can't wait to do it again. I don't get it, <laughs> but maybe this is true too. Maybe this is true too. If if you're with uh, with somebody that does gymnastics, or you're with some, you know, a swimmer, or whatever, they all go through the same things too. I bet. So I'm sure they do. Any kind of competition, but the like horses sure made does. it get so much harder. And it's just so much more time consuming because there's just more stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, Even when we were going horse camping over the weekend, packing up to come home, I said, geez, it's so much easier without the horses. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. I mean, that's just a fact. You know, Uh, even when I come up to my mom's for here, I'm here for a couple of weeks, my dog who weighs 10 pounds has more stuff than I do. 
So there you go. (laughs) She has two suitcases full of stuff that I have to bring. There you go. (laughs) Well, we're going to do a post-show for the auditors. We're going to talk about inflation. I found this thing from 1971 that had the costs of things in 1971. Now, I know a lot of you weren't alive then, but Lisa and I were. So we're (laughs) going to go over this a little bit. And just as crazy to look at these prices. So we're going to talk about that. We're just going to talk. Uh, have some fun in the post show so we hope that the auditors join us for that if you want to become an auditor you can go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner at the top of the page lisa where can people find you and what's going on the books or what 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 can they do yeah, just go to lisawysaki.com, find books on amazon.com, just type in my name uh, my name ends in a y lisa w y s o c k y so and- and she has a thousand books you can find out Close there. Close to. Yeah, there's, Close just, to. there's a ton of books out there. <laughs> and you've, you're going to take the show out today with a quote that you found. I am. And this we have to give credit to Jen because Jen actually found this. So the quote is, when you get off your horse, it's not the people who look at you, neither the judge that has the right to judge your session. It's the horse that turns around to you. With his supple body and kind eye, which is the judge. This is the number one tribute I take as a student. And this quote is by Nuno de Oliveira. I think that's, and I think that's so true. Something we all have to we all have to pay attention to because sometimes we let our peers get in our head. Yes, it's all about the horse. Be safe, everybody. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Glenn. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. It'll probably be safe for the kiddos today. <clears throat> Jamie's not here, so we're safe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Jennifer uh, last night came to me and said she gets oil for, I don't remember what kind, but she gets oil for her horse because he has trouble keeping weight. So she adds oil, a little oil to his feet, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, I got to tell you, she buys the gallon jugs. And she said, three years ago, the gallon jug I bought was $9.50. She said, it's $24 now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it's wow. just basic oil, you know. I don't it's know which kind oil. it is, but it's just oil. I don't know if it's canola wow. oil or which kind of oil, but um, it just. And then it got me thinking. I, you know, we we sometimes think you know the prices are are up so high now, and and then it got me thinking. What was it like? What were the prices like when I was a kid? So I know that my parents in 1962, the year Kennedy was assassinated, actually moved to Pennsylvania, and I was born soon after that. But they bought the house that we had, big two story house in town, um, and five bedrooms or whatever. It was just a big old house, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, they bought that for seventeen thousand. In, in oh wow <laughs> back then and oh, wow. they made mortgage payments on that for 30 years i mean i remember the day they paid it off uh and i got to thinking what were the prices really like back then for other stuff so i found this 1971 cost of living guide and so 71 i was nine years old i think at that point i was probably what in junior uh, elementary school at yeah that point. yeah I, I was like 14 or so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so a new house in 1971, the average cost was 25000 for a new house. Wow. The average income, are you ready for this, was $10,000. And I do remember that when I first started working at the age of 16 at the restaurant, uh, I was making $1.25 an hour. Oh, wow. When I first started, I was a trail guide at a dude ranch. I was making a dollar fifty an hour. I go. thought that and was that was huge minimum wage. Money. Back then. Yes, I don't even I know if they had huge. an official minimum wage actually back then. I don't remember. But uh, a new car back then was thirty five hundred dollars. Uh, average rent back then. Are you ready for this for your apartment if you rented one hundred and fifty a month? Oh my goodness! <laughs> but you were only making ten thousand dollars a right, month. Right. It is year, all relative, so. but. Oh, my God. Uh, so, t- tuition to Harvard University back then, any guesses? No. 2600 a year. Seriously. What is it now, 100 <laughs> <laughs> Easily, yeah. 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 That's crazy. I want to look that up while I'm doing this. Look up Harvard tuition and see what it I is. Will. I, I will. I will. Yeah. So, movie tickets back then, I remember being cheaper than this. It says $1.50, but I remember we used to go for 75 cents to the movies. Well, I remember... 
back then. So I could, my mom would give me 50 cents to go to the movies and I could, I don't remember what each thing cost, but I knew that I could get my movie ticket, I could get a drink and I could get popcorn and I would have five cents left over. There you go. <laughs> well, that was also the day when they had little stores in every town that had candy candy racks and it was yeah. loose, you know, so you went in and just scooped up a pile of candy and, and uh, th- there were, you know, we hear this, we hear the term penny candies. That's because in those days there really were penny candies. They were. Yeah. yeah so for were. 10 cents, you could get 10 candies. It was great. Yeah, oh, it was. It was. And so um, I'm, I'm on the Harvard uh, something or other. It says Harvard University. So tuition for the 23-24 school year, it's only $54,269. It was twenty six. But on top of that, on top of that, housing is $12,000. Yeah. And food food is like $8,000. So 100. So <laughs> you're at 100. By, by the time you're there, yeah. So that was 50 oh, years oh, ago. To- no, total build, total, total cost is $80,263. So in fifty years we've gone for twenty six hundred to eighty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So so Glenn, if you go like for four years, that's almost half a million or a quarter of a million dollars. Yep. And then you've got all those unless you have, you know, wealthy parents, you've got those student loans and, wow. and that's why veterinarians choose to make money when they come out. <laughs> that's why they do, um, yeah. So gasoline back then they said was forty cents a gallon. And I remember it I kind of remember it being a quarter at one point. Um, and I remember when I was making so little, it was like it was still tough. You know, everything's relative. Yeah. So it was still tough to put gas in my car, you know. To- I remember yeah, I remember twenty nine <laughs> cents a gallon. And so my mom always drove this huge Mercury. This, I mean, this thing was like it hardly even fit in our garage. It was so long, and she would always go to the gas station, say, "Put put in five dollars a regular," and it would fill the thing up. I yep. mean, the thing probably had like a forty gallon tank, and and five dollars would fill up the whole thing. The food, you know, the food is interesting because I. It doesn't shock me as much with the food for some reason, but like a, a gallon of milk was a dollar seventeen. I think we're at what four dollars now, probably for a gallon mm, of milk. Yeah, eggs were forty five cents per dozen, and we paid less than that because we lived in Lancaster County. So every oh, yeah. one of those Amish farmers had an egg stand at the end of their lane, and we used to get them for like twenty cents. And I know in Nashville they just had a thing on the news uh, a couple of weeks ago because the egg prices were so high, and they compared the stores. And I think the the highest store was probably Publix. It was seven dollars and. 63 cents for a dozen eggs. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fresh ground hamburger, 62 cents per pound. Wow. Um, there you go. Fresh baked bread. And I remember this. Now, in, in that day, there weren't all these gourmet breads, or at least we didn't, my mom didn't buy those. It was always white wonder bread. That's what you right, got. Right. right. Because yeah. us four boys, we'd go through a loaf of that in, in two days. So I'm sure. Because <laughs> yeah. when it was like peanut butter and jelly sandwich time, we'd each eat three. Um, yeah. And we used to do this thing in the winter, co- cocoa and toast. So you, you oh. know. Did you ever do that, cocoa and toast? No, but it sounds good. So she'd make cocoa for everybody after we'd gone sledding all day outside in the yeah. cold on our days off school. And basically, she would just toast an entire loaf of Wonder Bread with <laughs> butter, and you'd dump, you'd dunk it in the cocoa. Oh, wow. That and, sounds good. Yeah, we could eat it. I still eat that occasionally here. Um, so, yeah, it's not Wonder Bread, but, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I remember it was like 25 cents a loaf, and that's why she could afford to fill us up on Wonder Bread, because, because it was so cheap. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, I so, so, Glenn, when I was little, uh, I'm talking five or six, that five cents that I got back from, from the, uh, the movie, I could go into the local grocery store and buy a candy bar for five cents. And this was like a full size, like Snickers or Hershey bar or something. Um, and I remember when it went up to seven cents and I was outraged. <laughs> I, I do remember candy bars being 10 cents. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a memory of that. Oh, we're getting old, Lisa. We we are old, but you know. <laughs> it is funny to think about these at you know, stamps too. For the longest time in, in our time through high school and stuff, they were ten cents. They oh, just when, stayed that way for a long time. They did, yeah. yeah, they did. But when I so I I'd always loved Appaloosa horses and I used to get the Appaloosa used to be Appaloosa News, now it's Appaloosa Journal, and they had like a thing in the back where you could have kids could write in to be a pen pal. And so I chose somebody. I remember she lived in Mississippi, and I wrote a letter, and I asked my mom if I could buy a stamp and how much it was, and she said, three cents. And I'm like, but it's going all the way to Mississippi. And she's like, yeah. Any, and I'm like, anywhere in the country? She says, yes, three cents. I'm like, wow, I could even afford this. <laughs> 
that's in the yeah. days when our allowances were like 50 cents too, though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. It's all relative. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. Now, my parents, when we got to be 18, I think they wanted us the hell out of the house um, because when we got to be 18, they would charge us board. So, oh, from what the a great idea. We were 18. We had to pay. Now, it wasn't a lot. I remember it being like $25, $50 a week. Consider- uh, well, but were you still in school then? Were you in high school? No, at, at when we got out of high school. This is when okay. you start, okay. they expected you to get a job. You could live at home, okay. but you had to pay. Uh, okay. Again, it wasn't what you would pay living on your own. Sure. I remember my brother at one point when he was like 21, um, he went out and got uh, his own apartment and then was back in six months. So <laughs> I do remember, remember that. Um, but I was smart because I figured out being the money guy, and I was actually making a lot of money back then. Uh, being the money guy, I figured I could live at home for a lot cheaper than I could rent, and I was gone all the time anyway. So I just dub- I just doubled what they were asking to keep them quiet um, and stayed there until I was 25. <laughs> so oh, my goodness. I was the first one living in the parents' basement at that point. You are uh, the original. I was the original geek living in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) I was never home, but, uh, you know, because I worked all the time. But yeah, it was. And I uh, could just see you just kind of come up the steps at two o'clock in the morning and and grab grab the cocoa and the toast and just sneak back down the steps. I was in sales for farmers. So the only time they could see me was at night. Yeah. So I would go to our, we had rented this office actually by the New Holland Sales Stables. It was oh. in the parking lot of the New Holland Sales Stables. Everybody's heard of New Holland Sales Stables. Sure. And this office was in the parking lot. And I would go there during the day. And then at night, we would go, I would go out to these, with these appointments. Well, the dairy farmers couldn't see you till seven o'clock. And then you usually sure. ended up having dinner with them because that's when they were served dinner. So <laughs> it's the only time they would see you. And then you didn't get out of there until 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And you drove your hour right. home. And I was, so I was never home. Uh, and yet I was still paying my probably $50 a week back then for, for and my mom did, I had it good. My mom did the laundry and she cooked yeah. and, you know, I was, I was taking advantage of it. Well, <laughs> it it, I time. think it worked for everybody. Yeah, that's you know? right. That's what I told yeah. my parents years later. I said, look at all the quality time you had with me. Yeah, yeah, at night at two in the morning <laughs> when you were home. <laughs> they were so hoping us four boys would just leave the house. <laughs> That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, So in any case, that's... uh that's our memories. I hope I know a lot of you are our age, so uh, you you probably can relate to this too. Having your own your own memories of what prices were and what what you made when you first started working and all of that stuff. And those uh, of you who are younger are going to think we're absolutely stupid, ancient, <laughs> ancient. Yeah, and now ancient you know I was that guy, the geek living at home <laughs> till twenty five, and Jennifer yeah, still I- stayed with me after we met. You know, I, th- I think we all suspected that, Glenn. Mm, yeah, you I think you probably it, did. But I think we all suspected. Yeah, yeah I think you probably did. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, tomorrow we have the Sidelines Magazine episode, and then you're going to have a special episode because Jamie's gone on Friday. Jennifer and Mary got to do a training episode together, and we're going to put that on Friday to give you a special treat. I know all of you love Jennifer and Mary together. I heard one half of that conversation the other day, and it sounded it sounded exciting. So I know that. But uh, you're all going to enjoy that. But that's it for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Glenn. Congratulations. You made it through another post show. Thank you for all your support. Now, go ride your horse.